0: Navy Federal has a mission to put members first by making their financial goals the priority. Receive a lifetime of membership benefits to help you and your family accomplish your life missions, like a full suite of financial products designed to fit your needs, 24-7 live support and access to over 300 branches on or near military bases. Visit NavyFederal.org for more information. Call 1-888-842-6328 or download the Navy Federal Credit Union app. Message and data rates may apply. Welcome to our NFL show. I'm Kevin Clark. Robert Mays is on IR. He is sick. DK of the Dark Knight, Danny Kelly. What up, Danny? <laughs> it's a big day for you. I know. I'm coming in off the bench. You identify as a Seahawks fan. The oh, yeah. Seahawks had a roaring win over Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Your thoughts are what? <laughs>
1: I thought it was impressive. I thought it was good. I, I thought the way that they played down the stretch was really important. Like that that drive that they put together to to get back to a ten point lead, I think, was huge. Made a couple of big plays. Russell Wilson looked just, pretty good. Just
0: say, just say you're pumped and jacked. We're going to get to details jacked. in
1: a second. There we go. Okay, we're going like to get to Pete the details Carroll. in a second. Just it's chewing a, my gum hard
0: right now. It was an incredible just Sunday for the playoff machine on ESPN, oh, yeah. where you can just plug and play what you want to do and 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 what wins, you know, y- y- a couple weeks ago we could have gotten the Giants and the Redskins in the playoffs. That can't happen now, but we can get a little bit of chaos. And the reason is that the Steelers are now super on the outside looking in. Um yeah. they're pretty much I, i'm I'm looking at the the pro football talk playoff scenarios and they say the Steelers are screwed. That's a scientific term. There's just a <laughs> lot of teams whose fates are a lot different than they were on Sunday morning. So let's start with the Seahawks, who, yeah. Essentially, are basically now they 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 could have if they had lost next week to the Cardinals, they could have been out of the playoffs if they obviously lost uh, tonight against the Chiefs. But yeah, now that not only are they locked in, but we seem to do this every week. They're the team nobody wants to see in the playoffs.
1: There's a few of those, I'd say, but yeah. I well, no, here, here's the them.
0: problem, Danny. Here's the problem: is every time a team wins over the past like four weeks, they've been anointed <laughs> by. Of 4 million people yep. as a team, you just do not want to see in the They're going to make some noise. Like everybody is that now. At first, it was the Bears. Ooh, the Bears. You don't want to see them. Then it was the Colts. Now it's the Seahawks. I think the Browns were in there at one point when the Browns, they might have an outside chance. But I think the general consensus is you don't want to see any team in the NFL in the playoffs.
1: I mean, it's hard to win in the playoffs, It's hard, it's hard to beat good teams. So. Yes. What, what do you think? Are the Seahawks out in front on, in that group of teams? Oh, you're,
0: you're pinning it on me because I'm, you don't want to say
1: it. You're more impartial than I Okay.
0: <laughs> yes. The answer is, when, when tonight was impressive. Now, there's a couple of mitigating factors here. So, Andy Reid had a kind of a weird post-game press conference where he said he was trying to play young guys to see what they would look like. Ugh, um, they were that. moved. And they, oh, <laughs> did you go full homer mode? <laughs> That's bullshit. They they, no, they, they were true. apparently uh reads that they were limiting Eric Berry's snap. So yeah, I'm this was a the what they were able to do, um, you know, obviously the Chiefs scored thirty-one points, but they did not look ex- especially chiefy. Um I think Aaron Schatz at one point tweeted out that, that they, it was going to be their first game under average offensive DVOA on the season, which is an incredible accomplishment and speaks to wow. their consistency. Um, by the way, the flip side of that is I don't think the Cardinals have had an above average offensive game this year. He also tweeted that. So <laughs> that's where we're at it's Not the great. NFL. But I think that, yeah, when you're able to do that... I understand it's a night game. I understand it's in Seattle. It, everything seemed to favor a Seattle win, but still, to beat the Chiefs is 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 pretty impressive. Now, the whole yeah. the the separate question of who's the team you don't want to see in the playoffs. I'm, I mean, listen. This time last year, the damn Titans won a playoff game. Okay. And we were all joking about how bad it was the Titans won a playoff game. The Jaguars went up and scored 45 points against in Pittsburgh against Pittsburgh Steelers. This idea that we have any idea what type of team wins in the playoffs, especially in the modern NFL. Wait, you know Robert and I talked about this last week, where this this era is so different. This year, excuse me, is so different even compared to last year, just offensively and all this you know, the different trends in the league. We don't know yeah, yeah. what matters. We we can't really hone in on it because okay. Can the Texans really get that far without a great offensive line? I don't know. We've never seen a season like this. We've never seen a season like this. Can the Bears the Bears scored 14 points on the 49ers today? Is their defense yeah. really going to be that good when they play <laughs> in a dome against the Saints?
1: I think I don't, I, the
0: answer is I don't know.
1: Yeah. A lot of the a lot of uh cliches are gonna get tested, I think, in the postseason because I mean, if you look at the team like the Ravens, who are winning with what I think a lot of people would say is post-season style football where you can play in any weather, you run the ball, you play really tight defense and all that. Um, and they're playing really well right now. And on, on, in both of those areas, like I think that, you know, that's going to be a cliche that gets tested. They're definitely one of those teams that quote, no one wants to face. I mean, the Seahawks are kind of similar to the Ravens in the, in the sense that, you know, they run the ball more than they pass the season. I think overall, um, they have a more experienced quarterback, and they and and their passing game, I think, is more refined and and up, yeah. you know updated or all that. But but I mean, they're kind of in the same vein. And then you look at the Cowboys too, who are playing really good defense and has sort of this ball control run game with Zeke Elliott. And it's going to be really fun to kind of see how they go, how how they how that all matches up against seems like the Saints and Rams I, and Chiefs and.
0: Yeah, totally. You know. I want to get into the broader playoff picture here in a second but I want you to give me your 10 second nerdiest thing we should have realized about the Seahawks on Sunday night. You you've heard about Doug Baldwin is that the, Is there something we need to hone in on with the Seahawks that were that the greater non-Seahawks Twitter world is missing
1: with just with Doug Baldwin coming back to me?
0: No, 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 anything with the Seahawks.
1: I don't know. See the thing that I I think the thing that I think is really important is that Baldwin's finally starting to get a little bit healthy. Yeah. And cuz he's been he's had uh both knees have been hurt this year. His groin has been injured. He got a little bit banged up. It looked like a little bit tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, he changes the dynamic of their passing game. I yeah. mean, You know, because Lockett is a deep threat, and he's been really, really, really efficient, catching deep passes and doing all that. But Baldwin is kind of like that chains-moving guy. I mean, he made that one-handed catch that put him at the one-yard line that essentially sealed the game tonight. Uh, he had an incredible touchdown earlier in the game. Um, he's just so reliable and so good as a route runner that I think that changes the sort of, it just changes the Seahawks offense in general. I think it makes them way more dangerous for the playoffs if he's healthy. If he can get to 90% Baldwin rather than like 75, 80, which is what he's been for a lot of the year and not playing for a lot of the year too. um, I think that changes things. And I mean, there's obviously years of experience in chemistry with Wilson and, and Baldwin. He's kind of the first guy that I think wilson tends to look for and so that could be a big big factor kind of that yeah. that's what the seahawks are that's how they're different i guess for most of the rest of the season is that like if baldwin's getting healthier that could be huge
0: so let's talk about the broader playoff picture here because there's a couple of developments that i think are going to be really important in two weeks in the playoff start number one the steelers not going to make the playoffs and the saints have essentially clinched the number one seat. In fact, they have. Yeah. Um, they, yeah, they, they, have. Might, they, they might rest their starters next week was, was the last update I saw. The Chargers are, barring an insane Oakland Raiders win in Week 17, are going to have the five seed. They lost to the Ravens. Mm-hmm. The Ravens are essentially in. And then beyond that, you have the Patriots who are going to be locked into the two seat barring a Jets loss and a Texans win. So of those, Danny, what sticks out to you as something that's going to matter the most in a couple weeks?
1: The team that I'm still the most confused about, I think, are the Patriots. And, like, just what's going on with that offense. Because this, you know, last week, obviously, Brady had that huge, crucial mistake against the Steelers. And then this week, um, you know, that offense just wasn't clicking. They didn't look good. They, They ran the ball. They ran the hell out of the ball. I'm talking about the passing offense more, though. And so, I guess I'm just wondering, like, what... What team we're gonna get in the playoffs from the Patriots? Whether you know whether it's gonna be that ball control thing or whether Brady's gonna be a big factor or what's Gronk gonna do? Um, you know, losing yeah. Josh Gordon changes, I think, sort of the makeup of sure. their their passing game, and and you know maybe that changes their their strategy or whatever. So, um, I think it's huge that they're that they retook the number two seed. I think that's just like a, a, maybe one of the biggest takeaways from the day. Really, is that yeah. They moved ahead of Houston for the number two seed. They're going to get the the first round bye probably if they win next week against the Jets, which I guess is not necessarily a, a gimme. I mean, the Jets have looked pretty solid over, you know, with over the last couple of weeks. But um yeah, I think that to me, the giving them a first round bye and then potentially giving them home field advantage, depending on what happens kind of down the stretch. I think that's just an enormous development for for week 16. I think that's one of the biggest things.
0: Yeah. So a couple things. Number one, today was one of the best rushing days in the history of the Belichick era. Yeah. And what's, what's interesting to me is we've seen so many times in 2001 when they won the Super Bowl, Bob Ryan wrote that that Tom Brady just paper cuts you to death. He's a game manager. You know, he's not he doesn't have a big arm. And then six years later, the offense has evolved to the point where it was so downfield and so explosive yeah. that it literally changed football forever. And the different... Wrinkles and iterations of the offense ever since they've basically changed the NFL. I mean, they, they, they've basically bended their will towards any trend in the NFL. And they've also bended their any trend in the NFL towards them. Yeah. And, and, and they're so flexible and so amazing. And so if they're just going to do this thing where they're just incredibly efficient at running the ball, that's fascinating to me because, you know, Tom yeah. Brady is is not what he has has been in the past. And it would be a very funny pivot. Uh, Belichick actually kind of said the passing game needs to be better. But here's the thing about the two seed, in my opinion. Number one, we haven't seen the Patriots play on wildcard weekend since 2009 when they got yeah. pasted by the Ravens. It's not a thing they want to revisit. They've played two games in Denver, AFC mm-hmm. Championship games, over the past you know five years. And six years? Yeah. And, and they've lost both those games. We don't know what this Patriots team really looks like on the road. Right. Uh, there was a really interesting story on 538 this week about home field advantage in the NFL and how it works. And, you know, it, the home team does win 57% of the time in, in the NFL. That, that's very impactful. But the last time a team won on the road in a title game, either conference, was 2012 when Joe Flacco and Colin Kaepernick did it. And they couldn't really identify because it's just so hard to figure out why you know, the splits are vague. So many variables. Yeah, yeah, there's so many variables. The splits are not crazy. But one of the things, Michael Lopez, who actually works for the NFL now, uh, is quoted in the article, and he, he says that if you look at the 15 most impactful controversial calls in games over the past few years, I think you'd find that 14 of them went for the home team. That's so And that's really interesting to me. Yeah. And here, but here's why. Is as, as passing becomes just the, not even just the the dominant form of offense because that's been true for for over a decade but just the default passing is the default the the the, the short pass is the, is the new run pass interference illegal contact all of these things are mm. such judgment calls yeah and i'm starting to wonder if the reason that home field advantage is so important and this isn't overall this isn't you know if you look at the look at the flags i don't think there's a huge difference this was Specifically about high leverage situations. All it takes right, is right. one pass interference to change. It. I mean, look at the Steelers and the Saints today. Yeah, we All saw it that takes several is times. One yeah. pass interference for the entire game to change, and I wonder if that's where the home field advantage starts to show up a little bit.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, I think so. Definitely. I mean, we saw that in the Seahawks game too. Actually, uh, Baldwin like kind of fell down. They got a they got a penalty in the end zone. That that was a huge potentially game swinging play. I mean, those. You know, those plays are so huge. And so, it's going to be really weird to see the Patriots if they have to go on the road. I mean, obviously, things could happen where they end up playing just at home again, like the next yeah. couple of games. But, yeah, no, that's that's definitely really kind of a fun wrinkle for the playoffs. And, um, I don't know, I'm just really, I'm, I'm getting psyched about this, actually. I think there's going Pumped to be... Pumped and jacked. Yeah, there's going to be some really fun, I think, kind of matchups and just storylines in general. It's kind of fun. All right,
0: so... The Chargers are now going to have to go and
1: play three straight road games. Yeah, the but last they played time, all, their, all their road ga- all their yeah, games. There road you games, go. Right?
0: I believe there's 6-0 <laughs> on the road. Is that correct?
1: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I are I, they?
0: I, I believe. I, seven, I don't even know. No, it, that, yeah, Craig. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think it is. Hey, whatever. But um, the wild card. Last time the wild card made the Super Bowl or won the Super Bowl was the 2010 Packers. Mm. We had, we, it happened four times in the 2000s and it hasn't happened since. I'm just looking the uh I think that I think good, I think the good teams are now better.
1: Chargers are 6 and 1 away. 6-1? So yeah. yeah. Okay.
0: But they again they don't play an ever in front of home fans so it's it's a little right. hard doesn't even It's matter. a little hard to suss out what what matters and what doesn't. Let's quickly touch on the Steelers because their playoff scenarios aren't already weren't very good because they had to go and win in a dome in order to make the playoffs. Uh where does this put the Steelers, and did you learn anything about the Saints today? Uh,
1: if anything, I feel like I learned that the Saints' defense is not quite as good as I was propping it up to be. I think, I mean, that obviously says a lot. Well, about the I Patriots mean, they had the, or the yeah, Steelers, the often. Steelers, yeah. But like, I was starting to think that the or that the the Saints' defense had been kind of re introduced into the elite, you know, I mm-hmm. guess air or whatever of of the top defenses in the NFL and we saw that, you know, this week that wasn't necessarily the case. So they're still a really good defense. They get tons of sacks, tons of turnovers. Um but yeah, I mean the the Steelers kind of picked them apart and should have maybe could, like should have won that game or whatever. And so I
0: yeah, I mean they they came very 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 close to doing so. Here's what's interesting. I saw a tweet from one of the really good Steelers beat writers Chris Adamski and he said and, and I agree with this. I've been thinking about it for a little bit since since I saw it and since I saw the game. The irony here is that if you're this, if, in a vacuum, if you'd seen this game, and even certainly last week, you'd feel great about the Steelers' postseason chances. Right. Because just the way they played the Steelers, sorry, excuse me, the Saints, and then the way they beat the Patriots, obviously. But the problem is, dude, you can't lose to the Raiders and the Broncos. <laughs> sorry, guys. Sorry. You picked a bad time to be bad. And I think that's what's interesting is they're not, they're playing in a way that you would normally be confident. They're just not going to make the playoffs. Sorry, dude, you're going to get on the outside looking into the Titans.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're going to look back on those two games, man, and just freaking kick themselves. But I mean, that's the story of their season is like, they've been really, yes. really good at moments and look unstoppable. And their offense just, like... And flicks. they
0: usually get better as the season goes along and they're just not.
1: Yeah. And and then, like, half the time, they just look like garbage. And, and you know, the the home road splits are always talked about. Like, Rossesberger not playing well on the road. He played, you know, pretty well in this game. Made some huge throws. Antonio Brown made some huge catches. You know, if, if Juju Smith-Schuster doesn't fumble that ball, we don't, like, what happens from there, you don't really know. So... Um, yeah, I mean, you have to look at it like the Steelers really kind of just had a good opportunity to be one of those teams that heh, you don't want to meet in the playoffs because they really were just like such a juggernaut offense when they're really clicking. And so, uh, yeah, that's it's brutal. But I mean, right. that's that's how it goes. Speaking of teams, you don't want to meet in the playoffs.
0: The, the the list of 135 teams you don't want to meet in the playoffs. <laughs> I think Baltimore right now is the AFC pick du jour. Yeah they're going to probably get the four seed at this point. In which case they would play, would they play San Diego again? This is why. We have in the yeah. notes, we have San Diego in the notes and then I independently oh, yes. said San Diego. <laughs> it, 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 it's completely it's possible. It's completely possible that we've been calling them San Diego for the entire podcast. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think anyone. Again, I, w- I want to revisit this because i said it before. It's on them. It's not on us. <laughs> So yes, according to the playoff generator, the Chargers and the Ravens are in line to play. What oh, happens when they play in Baltimore in two weeks?
1: Well, I mean, based on based on you know Saturday's game, I mean it's going to be you know just a slugfest. I, I yep. you know I mean that game came down to a couple turnovers and both teams looked really good. Yep. Uh, you know they're both balanced. They both have defense. So they both can run the ball. Um, I think Philip Rivers. Gives the chargers a distinct advantage, just in the sense that he's such a more refined passer. He's just a you know better passer at this point. but sure. um I mean, Lamar Jackson's just a crazy wild card just because of the fact that it can run the ball so well. and um you know, I, I you know it's the the Ravens have this thing where they're kind of like playing keep away from their opponents, and like you you don't give your opponents as many opportunities to possess sure. the football and and so that kind of you know can change things. and that's why those turnovers were so huge in this game. But, uh, I mean, I imagine it's, it's another closely fought game where it comes down to, you know, that's another cliche, but it's going to come down to, like, who takes care of the football and who scores last.
0: <laughs> so, Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus had a great piece in the Washington Post on Friday. Um, where we talked about Lamar Jackson and just, just sort of how the, the Ravens created an offense around him. And I thought there were a couple of interesting things. The first one is that they've dialed up 109 option runs, which is 50 more than the next closest team. Nice. Since since, since Jackson took over a starter in week 11. Mm-hmm. Now, they're averaging 5.5 yards per carry, which is a, a yard more than the league average on that. So, you're having a lot of success with it. and And, and you know, I think that it's a jumping-off point for something that I've been thinking about a lot, which is the 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 lesson of Mahomes, the lesson of Goff, the lesson of all these guys. It's not to steal from Texas Tech, but maybe it is. It's not to you know it it the splits, you know whatever it is, you know how whether or not you're stacking receivers, whether or not you're um, running play action, all of these things, you know. Tiled up can matter a lot. But I think that the lesson of all of these little offensive successes is just to think is that good ideas win when you when you tailor your offense to to your players. And I think yeah. the Ravens right now are doing as good a job as anybody with that. And I know it sounds simple, but there's so many coaches around the league who want to do the square peg round hole thing. <laughs> yeah. And no and so I just think, you know, if if they try to do the Mahomes or golf offense with Jackson, they that that would not work right now but what they're doing is the best version of lamar jackson offense lamar jackson had 200 yards passing for the first time in his career on sunday he's growing as an nfl passer and and he's he's excuse me on saturday um he's he's getting really mm-hmm. he's going to be a really good nfl quarterback and and and, and right now he's good enough to win games so yeah. i'm excited to see what the ravens are doing with him um it's Again, good ideas are the future of football. Not any not any specific idea, just the good <laughs> ideas. Right. And that's why I was so energized to see that, that they're going to be able to put up. I mean, obviously, they didn't put up 50 points on Saturday night, but they were able to score with defensive touchdown, 22 points, to hold the Chargers to 10. Yeah. Uh, if, if we're looking for the actual can make
1: noise in the playoffs team, it's Baltimore. It's funny to me that, because I was kind of on them about just the amount of tight ends that they took you know, they took two, they took two tight ends in the, in the draft. You know, they took a tight end before they took Jackson. Um, and, and it turns out those guys are actually really important for their passing game, and it marries really, really well with the fact that they want to run the ball. They play a lot of, like, heavy personnel looks and um, use those guys in the blocking game, and then they let them kind of leak out in the passing game and, and throw, you know, downfield. They had a couple of big explosive pass plays using those guys. And so... um, it's just one of those things where I, I kind of saw. I, th- I thought it was kind of silly coming into the season, and, and they redesigned their offense and and made that a big, you know, functional part of their passing game. And it's really working out for them, so I think that's cool. I mean, you got to you got to credit them for completely changing the identity and and sort of just style of their offense, almost 180, you know, from the time that uh, Jackson came in for Flacco. So um, yeah, total credit there. and I think that's it's fun to watch, even though. You know, it's it's a slower kind of grind them grind out offense. Oh,
0: it's fine. Hey, you know who's a badass? Marlon Humphrey.
1: He is. He's, he's played really well.
0: So, I want to talk about the 2017 draft. Let's do it. It's really, really, really changed the sport. Because you have Mahomes, you have Watson, you have the unfortunate sort of two through three Trubisky, Solomon, Thomas, Leonard, Fournette, which I think... All three probably wish they could have taken somebody else. <laughs> right, Corey Davis is is Corey Davis, but then so so Malik Hooker is taken, who's who's okay. I think I think he's in the thirties as far as safeties go um, on Pro Football Focus rank. Mm-hmm. But Marlon Humphrey was the sixteenth pick in that draft. If you redrafted him, he goes a hell of a lot higher.
1: He doesn't. He hasn't really. No one's like paying attention to him that much I think it's like Lattimore was like a big star last year Um, you know and, yeah. and it just it, he's been overlooked he's definitely really underrated and so
0: you're g- not gonna want John Ross in that spot who I think has doesn't he have seven touchdowns and 20 receptions
1: <laughs> yeah
0: something like that
1: very very uh efficient touchdown scoring you probably could, he's the new ty- he's the new Tyler Eifer <laughs> yeah seriously so um, um yeah and yeah. he had like the he had the game changing or the game ceiling play right the other night Humphrey uh, yeah, that's
0: what the, the, that's that's why I bring him up. I mean, he he is a really really good cornerback in a really stacked draft, and we've seen this before. You know, the JJ Watt draft was like this, where there's talent everywhere, and if you got somebody, you're set. But if you missed, it is a bad freaking year to miss, dude. Oh yeah, it is a bad year to miss. I mean, I'm the Panthers are probably happy with, happy with Christian McCaffrey, but then you get you get into the Mahomes, Lattimore, Deshaun Watson, you know. Marlon Humphrey territory, and and man, that those are some game changers.
1: Yeah, and the defense. I mean, their defense too has also been a little bit. I feel like it's just kind of underrated. Their that whole team has been overlooked a little bit all season. The Ravens. Yeah, the Ravens. Just yeah, well,
0: they have like two famous guys, and one of them's like Eric Weddle. Justin Tucker <laughs> is more famous than almost anybody on the defense.
1: Yeah, I mean, you like you can name like Suggs or whatever, but they're oh, getting right, pass yeah. rush productivity from so many different guys and. Uh, yeah, it's it's. I mean, they're just like a typical Ravens defense, like really, really tough nose. I for, that, I for, I, for, I forgot I forgot about Suggs,
0: even though I I shouldn't forget about Suggs, but but I did. He's the sixty one. <laughs> he's the sixty first ranked edge defender in the NFL. There you go. Number sixteen as far as coverage in edge defenders. I'm sure that seems like a. I'm sure edge defender coverage is a small sample size in general. So I'm gonna kind <laughs> right. of go ahead and throw that one out. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I guess, I guess Suggs hanging around is fun. All right, before we move on, let's take a quick break. What do you wish for most this holiday? If you're like me, you want all W's for your favorite NFL team. Unfortunately, even Santa can't make that happen. But the Yahoo Sports mobile app can make it so you can watch those games and more right on your phone. In fact, with the Yahoo Sports mobile app, you can watch live local and primetime NFL games during the holidays and all season long. Never miss big matchups or your favorite team in action. What are you waiting for? Download the Yahoo Sports mobile app and may all your football wishes come true. Unless, of course, your team is playing against mine. Okay, let's move on. Danny. What's up? Nick Foles. What the hell is going on? (laughs) That's my question to lead this in. What the hell is going on?
1: The full storyline, it just won't go away. This is like, uh, it's like deja vu all over again. He just, I don't know. I don't know. You know, it's funny because you see like, uh Eagles Twitter are already starting to like a little bit argue about whether he, he's the answer now I think it, it's probably mostly sarcasm but I think there's probably I mean
0: maybe I, I
1: don't
0: <laughs> I, I feel I feel like there's a lot more people who are getting angry at the thought uh, that there's an argument then there are people making the argument. Does that make right, sense? Right, Like, we have a lot of people being like, if you think Nick Foles is the answer, you're a moron. <laughs> and it's like, I actually haven't seen that many people saying Nick Foles is, is the answer. Like, it might be, especially with the feel like, it might be like a, kind of a deeper into the fan Twitter or maybe like a talk radio thing, but I actually haven't seen anyone saying, you know, trade, like, car- truthfully. earnestly, yeah, truthfully, yeah, yeah earnestly yeah, yeah. saying, trade Carson Wentz to Miami for Xavier Howard in a second which no, is a I, fake trade
1: I just made up that <laughs> should happen. No, I think you're right. I think so. It's more, I think it's less that, um, you know, Foles is better than Wentz, obviously. And, and and it's more like the fact that the Eagles are getting back to, I think they're getting back to their roots more in terms of what they want to do on offense. It. it I haven't looked at the numbers today, but just over the last few weeks, they've gotten a lot more into like two tight end sets. Um, that kind of balance, like Zach Ertz, has been a huge part of it. They've gotten Goddard more involved. Um, you know, they aren't they aren't trying to force feed Golden Tate like they were yeah. for a stretch there, and that was kind of throwing things off. They were trying to run eleven personnel too much, and it just wasn't really working for what they want to do. And so, I think a big part of it is like they're just rediscovering what they want to be on offense. It took them a little bit to get there, but I think that's part of it. Um, and then. I guess the other part of it is just Nick Foles gets into this weird zone where he can all of a sudden see the field like he's like Michael Jordan. Oh, he went, gets
0: into this weird zone <laughs> where he accidentally wins his Super Bowl every year. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's like what the hell? What the hell is happening? Uh, but yeah, I mean, he again, he had he made some huge, huge throws in this game. He set a freaking franchise record: four hundred and seventy-one passing yards. Did you so hear dude, about this? That's a franchise record for for the Eagles.
0: Who held the franchise record before
1: McNabb? Oh. Uh, I was going to guess like Jeff
0: Garcia or something. <laughs> like one of those weird, I think it weird was Eagles nap. teams. Yeah. Okay, so Scott Kaspar tweeted this out. Throws 40-plus air yards for the Eagles. Mm. Nick Foles, 11 touchdowns, 4 interceptions. Carson Wentz, 2 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. There's your answer right there. Trade Wentz. Tra- <laughs> I just think it's really... I, I, I just... I, I don't... I can't explain it. Maybe there's some lessons to be learned from a play calling perspective about why Foles succeeds where Wentz doesn't. Maybe, I mean, one of the core concepts of the Foles success, aside from essentially using the bye week as, as a, as a pseudo training camp, was they just sat Nick Foles down and they said, What routes do you want to run? And those were the routes they really focused on. they ran about 10% more RPOs, um, but it wasn't a huge percentage more. And and then they just ran the routes he was really, really comfortable with. And I've written this before, but it actually is if you want to learn a lot about it, it's actually kind of uh documented quite well in, in Doug Peterson's book. Um, I've talked to Doug Peterson separately about this, and I've you know, you can either read me or Doug Peterson, it's fine. I don't care. Either either way, <laughs> two two great scholars of our time, um, me and Doug Peterson. But so I I guess what I'm saying is is that maybe they've focus so much on making Nick Foles work um, that when they start again with Carson Wentz next year, um, they need to do whatever they're doing with Foles with Wentz.
1: Yeah, just like simplify and... Yeah, simplify. Focus. I mean, these are always things that, you know, we as like outsiders talk about like teams. It, it's so freaking obvious, but yet teams don't always do this. It's just suit like designing an offense that, that actually works with your skill set like the players and and what they want to do and um, you know I think that was a big thing that like Freddie Kitchens has done in in Cleveland and I think you know players have talked about this and um, it's kind of come out that when he first took over he just asked the players what plays they like running the most and I don't know if if, I mean I'm not a I haven't been in an NFL locker room during the season that maybe maybe a lot of coaches don't actually do that (laughs) you know I think I think that's probably the case and so yeah, I think Danny,
0: can we send you to a locker room this week?
1: Yeah, can you, can we get on a, can I get on I'm a team? And, 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 oh, no, games? I was just
0: going to send you into a locker room as a reporter. Can we do that? We'll see. Yeah.
1: We could, I, yeah.
0: I, let's go. Let's do this. Let's send you into Seattle. Uh,
1: do you think Schottenheimer asks his players what he likes? I bet he does. I bet he does. I bet you that's why he's having a lot of success this year. Well, relative to what I thought he would anyway.
0: Okay. B- before we get into a, schottenheimer success conversation <laughs> the next stock up yeah titans colts week 17 play-in game yeah sunday night right sunday night got win and in they got flex because this is the ultimate flex because the nfl is going to put a titans colts game on and it's going to get about 35 million <laughs>
1: viewers uh um, what is it what is like a cowboy's Patriots game or something? What? What? I don't know. Patriots. Oh, uh, they all they all get. I mean,
0: Sunday football is the the highest rated show on television. Yeah, and so I mean, like for a non Super Bowl, the Peyton Manning, Tom Brady AFC title game in the 2015 season before the uh, before the Panthers Super Bowl got like 60 million viewers. Okay, yeah. (laughs) So got it. You know, the the damn the uh, the I saw this the other day. John Aram from SBJ had this. That there was a Steelers playoff, Steelers Patriots just regular season replay from last week's game on the NFL Network. They got a million viewers, which is almost <laughs> as much as a ro- the Rockets game on TNT that night. Oh man, the replay, the replay Oh no, no, no. yeah, I mean, the regular game was gangbusters, That's hilarious. but the replay almost did better than the Rockets game on TNT. Okay, let's talk about this game.
1: What do we? I was just going to ask you what what who are the Titans? How do you feel about the I, Titans? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind I, of excited I, I, about the Colts. I,
0: I, I, I want, the, the listener probably heard my desperation. I have nothing to say about the Titans. That's why I said, <laughs> what do we think about this game? I was hoping you you could offer any any glimmer of analysis because I've got nothing for you.
1: I think Derrick Henry being <laughs> a thing lately is definitely kind of fun and, and new and interesting. I don't know what to take it. The Titans to me are like kind of like the Steelers and in the sense that nothing would surprise me in terms of what they do, it's I, I, you know, I wish I had something a lot more in depth and like X's and O's to say to you about this, but like I just don't know what to expect from them on any given day.
0: So, Andrew Luck has never lost the Titans in his career. Interesting. The game is in Nashville. The Colts are going on the road. The Titans' defense is is can be nasty. Yeah. So, I mean, this is I gotta tell you, this is kind of a, on the on the. Low end of inspiring win and end games, but i I, I can <laughs> I can see the drama a little bit i I think that I think the Colts win maybe a six yeah. or seven point game
1: I think the the Colts feel to me more like the story in this game, I know that I,
0: yeah, I guess, but the Colts just lost to Cody Kessler a couple weeks ago in a six to nothing game like I just i it was it, yeah. this is one of those things where the Colts are gonna win and we're gonna make again we're gonna do the whole. They're going to make some noise in the playoffs. But like if they were actually, even though they started one in five, they ha- did have the opportunity to have shut the door long before week 17.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, ga- that game is concerning to say the least. Uh, but then, I mean, they shut out the Cowboys. So they kind of got it back. And I don't know what you take from today's game that they played really ugly, you know, against the Giants in the first half. Ended up kind of gutting it out and coming back in the second half. Uh, they have a lot of injuries. I mean, they're in the same boat as the Titans. Strange,
0: it's a strange year. I mean, they lost to the damn Jets. They got forty two points to the Jets and then turned around and since. But it's not like they've had I mean, so the 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 h- hardest game they've played, they beat the Texans, which is commendable. And they shut out the Cowboys. But really it's it's Raiders, Jaguars, Titans, Dolphins, Jaguars, Giants, and those are the wins. And then obviously the Cowboys and the Texans were already named. So and they beat the um, Titans.
1: Thirty-eight to ten in week
0: eleven. Yeah, but the tit- I mean, the, the Titans. I have no. I have no idea what to expect from them. They might. This game might be twelve to nine.
1: Is Mariota even going to start?
0: So that's the question. That's the question. Yeah, that's um, a big deal. Blame, that's. I mean, I guess. Is it a big deal?
1: <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. Is I, it a big it, deal in theory? Because
0: I've. I mean, in theory, yes. But I keep. I keep hearing that it's a big deal that Marcus Mariota might play, and then every time I see the Titans play, I, it looks like Marcus Mariota playing may not be a big deal. Right. I mean, I, I, I don't... In the same way, we I think that it, it might be related that we don't know if Marcus Mariota is good, and we don't know if the Titans are good.
1: It's, I mean, it's definitely up in the air if he's going to even play or not. Blaine Gabbert. I mean, my God. Yeah. I'm definitely putting my chips into the Indianapolis Thing here. I really, I mean, just in general, I I think they're more interesting. I mean, they've got really exciting rookie linebacker that has potential to win the rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year, Darius Leonard. The up and down life of Eric Ebron. I don't know if you've listened to the Danacy podcast, but Ebron has been a big, big, uh, big topic over there just because he's having such an insanely weird year. Um, Yeah.
0: Ebron is one of these fantasy guys where that. When you check in on fantasy Twitter, they're talking about Eric Ebron in the same way that normal NFL Twitter is talking about like Dan Marino. <laughs> just like constant yeah. discussion, just constant discussion about Eric Ebron. I've never seen anything like it. Who else is like that? Who's in the, who's in, what is the biggest hmm. disconnect between NFL fantasy Twitter and NFL Twitter as far as just people who are just discussed constantly? I feel like, Christine Michael was like that a oh, little yeah.
1: bit. Oh yeah. Yvonne has taken over the Kristen Michael thing. Wow. Uh maybe Amari Cooper. Oh no, Cooper's discussed all the
0: time in uh in, in regular in NFL in regular NFL Twitter. He has fifty two yards the last two weeks. I haven't heard from a Cowboy fan in a while.
1: Yeah, it makes me sad that he he's kind of fallen off. I was really in the Amari it doesn't Cooper make, corner. It
0: does, you know who it doesn't make sad? The person who publicly made fun of the Cowboys for trading for him for a number of weeks.
1: <laughs> Doesn't make me that sad. Okay. <laughs> Stock down. Texans lost the buy. Thoughts. Yeah, that's uh, I mean that's huge for them. The Texans have it feels to me like they've kind of just MacGyvered their way to mm. uh, you know in a good way like it, it's commendable because they they just have a lot of injuries, they don't have an offensive line and yet they've managed to Worked their way into the situation where they are actually almost having a second, the two seat or whatever. Um, you know, they clearly easily could have. Yeah. Clearly, I mean, they, they lost they, it, but so
0: they they they've lost it. I mean, let, let's be clear on lost it. If if the Patriots lose next week to the Jets and they and the Texans win, they could regain it, but that obviously is unlikely.
1: I mean, man, and and they were so like they were so close to, I, I should say, the offense was so close to winning that game because Sean Watson. Just went off late in the game. I mean, he gives. I look at him. He gives them a chance to win pretty much any game, and I think he's obviously a big part of why they're so good. Andre Hopkins had a couple of incredible catches late in the game. Yeah, but the defense really, uh, you know, crapped the bed at the end. There gave up a couple of big plays. Um, generally speaking, that in that that big hit that actually swung. You know, I think it swung that final drive quite a bit. Was more than questionable. The one where he hit uh, Foles and knocked him out for a play, J- yeah. David Clowney. I think that was. It looked like a pretty clean hit. I, I don't know exactly what the explanation was for that. Did you hear anything about that? because it looked looked to me like a pretty good hit.
0: Yeah, I. I, I mean, it just just NFL referees. Yeah. Um. You know. So first of all, th- this this swings the Texans Patriots game, which w- is inevitably going to be played in the second round. And the Patriots <laughs> will the Patriots will host now. And they obviously played the first week of the season. The Patriots won twenty-seven to twenty. Um, I think that those two teams are so evenly matched. I understand the Patriots are the Patriots, and we joke all the time about not wanting to count them out. I would have anticipated the Texans beating the Patriots if that game was in Houston.
1: I agree. I agree. I think, you know, and and they're banged up and, and they've got some injuries and stuff like yeah. that, the, the Texans. But again, like they've got superstar power on both sides of the ball. Um, yep. You know, totally. they've got JJ Watt. JJ Watt is having like his quietly greatest season. Not not his best season, but it's Can the quietest, I tell you something? I host the quietest a podcast, great
0: Typically, Robert Mays is healthier and can be on this podcast. And <laughs> he he was the number one JJ Watt guy for a number of years. And oh, yeah. I just I feel like he's, he's letting down his guard a little bit, not pumping him up. <laughs>
1: I feel like he's got his
0: plate full with Trubisky and those guys. So it's, it's, it's tough for him. So, Robert, we know you're listening. We got to get you back on the watch train. All right. Next stock down. Last stock down. NFL teams looking for coaches. Now, Robert and I had a philosophical discussion about the Steve Wilkes situation a couple weeks ago. He mm. thought that the, the Cardinals should move on from him. I thought they should not. It sounds like per, per many people, um, he they are moving on from him. Congratulations to Robert on calling it. Um, but you know, in the in the story where Adam Schefter talked about this, he, he discussed that this is going to be like the 2013 coaching carousel where there were eight openings. And here's my problem, and this is this is the whole problem with the Wilkes thing. Okay, that that coaching carousel gave us some pretty good coaches. Okay, Andy Reid to the Chiefs was one of them. Bruce Arians to the Cardinals, even though you know whatever. But Reed is the only guy who's still with this team. Doug Moreau went to Buffalo. And separately, that gave us that carousel, gave us Mark Tressman, Rob Juzinski, Gus Bradley, mm. and Mike McCoy. <laughs> oh, yeah, McCoy. The bench for hires is pretty shallow, pretty thin, pretty thin bench. So, who the hell were the Cardinals going to hire? That's my question. I don't under I don't think Steve Volks is a good coach
1: at all. It seems I to just, me like they're underachieving a lot. So yeah,
0: what what, what? did anyone think that they were going <laughs> to they what, what what were they like Mays took them in the wins league. What were they like pick 27?
1: I would say maybe not underachieving from like a win necessarily a wins perspective. I uh, mean, yeah. yeah, they are clearly but they beat the Packers. They're just so they're completely non-competitive. Yeah, for the but most I don't part. think they.
0: I don't know if they had the roster to be competitive.
1: I mean, I think they had a good defense last year, and then you hire a defensive coach to come in, and that you know Mike, Mike,
0: this is a firing that is just the, the sequel to the Mike McCoy firing, because Mike McCoy had no idea. I, I the, the, Mike McCoy, should have googled who the Cardinals were before he he took this job. And he could have seen that David Johnson catches passes out of the backfield, and he's <laughs> pretty good. Maybe yeah, was... the problem was he only watched 2017, where 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 Johnson was out all year. It was like Mike McCoy had no idea how to do any of this stuff. It was it was almost fascinating Strange. to watch. Yeah, and it didn't get much better with Johnson under Leftwich. No. And fits his fits, he's fine. But I mean, I just, I just think it was an offensive problem, and I think that you could go out there and if you want the GM to mandate you, you change coaches or, or or whatever, you can do that. You could bring in some better offensive minds. But I just, I just think that there might be a lot of coaching changes this year, and you're a lot more likely to end up with a Mark Trestman, Rob Ch- Chudzinski, uh, Gus Bradley than. I guess. And Andy, and Andy Reid, yeah,
1: for instance. I get that. Although Andy, a,
0: you know, Andy Reid almost went to the Cardinals that year. I don't even remember that.
1: My question would be, though, like, what have you seen from Wilkes that makes you think it's worth sticking around? I, I,
0: I don't know. I, I've, I've seen the abyss. I've stared into the abyss <laughs> and it stared right back at me.
1: What if they could get McDaniels to go over there? Why, why, would, do why?
0: why would McDaniels I mean, I don't think it would. Why would but. McDaniels do
1: that? To get, I McDaniel McDaniel's yeah, he
0: pulled he out wouldn't. of a job coaching Andrew Luck eleven months
1: ago. No, that's true. He wouldn't. Now he's uh, gonna go
0: do Josh Rosen, who's not as good as Andrew Luck. No, he won't. I don't yeah, no, I I mean I don't know. He probably will. Probably will by the time this podcast <laughs> ends. We'll just read that report. All right. Challenge flags. We're only gonna do one. Maze Maze is really, really, even though we did Steve Wilkes in the last segment, he really wanted to do first year defensive coordinators getting head coaching job so that that challenge flag will just be a ghost ship and you listener will know that <laughs> it exists and Maze is still mad about it but what we're gonna discuss discuss is eli manning
1: yes who I did
0: just enough who did just enough on sunday to lock up that 2019 starting gig am i wrong
1: is he gonna though really i mean i think i think oh I think he my is. god I'd I I love I think it's hilarious uh watching Giants Twitter in general talk about talk about Eli Manning. There's such a divide because so you know, there's there's a there's a segment of the population that just thinks it's the stupidest idea ever to like continue with this QB purgatory that they're in. And then there's this other segment that thinks he's a legend and you can't besmirch it, his, his good name and it's not his fault. There's all these other issues going on and Man, I just think it would be such a mistake if they don't (laughs) move on from him next year.
0: Can we talk... So, quarterback rating is not a good metric. Not a good metric. Okay. Not... I mean... it's a good guideline. It's a good guideline. Yeah. To what a player is playing like. Eli went 155 against Tampa on November 18th. From there, he went 91, 65, 132, 54... And then on Sunday, 101. Yeah. So I guess what I'm telling you is he's playing a little bit inconsistently. So the idea, and I saw some <laughs> New York think? Giants writers, New York Giants writers tweet out that he was going to have a complete uh, career high and completion percentage, all this stuff. But uh, I don't
1: think he's going to win you a lot of games. No. I mean, well, they've gotten to the point now where uh, they're not going to have a top. I don't know what it, do you know where they're slated for right now. They're going to have a top three pick, and so it makes it a little bit more difficult to figure out like where they're going to get a, a replacement for Eli Manning. And mm-hmm. there's obviously a question of like who's it going to be to replace him. You know, there's there's shades to this argument that we don't know the answer to. So but to me, it, oh, yeah, ahead, I'm sorry, I was just gonna say, but like it to me, it's a no brainer. Like they got to move on at this point. Like you're just you're barely f- like staying afloat at this point.
0: It's not good. We're and you have
1: two of the, you have literally the two most explosive play, offensive players in the NFL in Odell Beckham and Saquon Barkley. Um, so and you're getting this out of it. They're so. going to
0: have the eighth pick. Yeah. If everything ended this way.
1: And so there's so many, there's so, so much time still to figure out like, is Dwayne Haskins going to be the guy or, you know, well, whoever. I'd, yeah. And, and, and will,
0: he, will he be available at eight?
1: Right, probably not, but who know, who knows at this point? And so, you know, there's a lot of questions that have to be answered before we really get to like a, a, a solution for the Giants. But um, I think it's just funny and, and kind of sad that you know the, what he's done over the second half is, is going to be enough to potentially get him another season there. I just think it doesn't make any. It, it, they're just not going in the right direction. They need to, yeah, start a new era. Draft to order,
0: Oakland. Oh, excuse me. Arizona, Oakland, San Francisco, Jets, Lions. Yeah, you don't want the you don't want you don't want those top teams accidentally winning games. I bet Oakland wishes they hadn't gone and
1: beaten the damn Steelers. <laughs> That's why the Jets lost today was the best the best possible scenario because they played well. Well-ish. Then they
0: would have gotten. Here's the thing: is there so <laughs> many teams with five wins? They're, they're, the Jaguars are currently in line for, for the ninth pick at five and ten. Oh, wow. You don't want to get yeah. five wins. That's why the Jets can't possibly beat the, uh, the Patriots on Sunday. Right. The Packers are going to get the 14th pick. What are we doing here?
1: <laughs> they were so stoked about it, too.
0: The Packers are going to get the 14th pick, and they're in the the damn Dolphins are going to get to 15, and we thought the Dolphins might the playoffs a couple weeks ago.
1: Yeah, so I guess my question for the Giants would be, and, and this is probably a bad example, but um, like, how different are the how different are the Giants if they have like a Case Keenum like level quarterback on them? You know what I mean, like versus Manning, which they're going to be paying you know a, a big cap hit. So you're,
0: okay, okay, so you're saying a guy who's a low investment, right, quarterback. Case Keenum, I think, is we just did the Case Keenum thing. Oh, okay. uh, two year, thirty six million dollar deal with twenty five million dollar guaranteed, right? It, so, hmm, I think for one year it'd be it'd be a little hard. I mean, uh, the Giants have some expensive players, dude. They have Olivier Vernon, they have Darnoris Jenkins. Not like they've you know they they've built entirely through the draft. Um, I mean, I think from the Jerry Reese era, it's not like they would be. D- NFC East contenders I don't think because they just they just don't have enough uh, of, a, of a don't have enough depth on the roster
1: his the Eli Manning's cap hit next year is supposed to be 23.2 million hell yeah
0: well so is Derek Carr's yeah. Derek Carr's 22.5 quarterback salaries don't make any sense speaking of the abyss <laughs> don't don't look too closely into that stuff that will drive you crazy
1: Over the last few weeks where Eli Manning has, you know, apparently played himself into another year in that offense, how do you feel about the Giants in general? Like, do you think they're going in the right direction? They they
0: need another year of getting good players. They need a better offensive line. But, you know, there have been a lot of games this year where Eli Manning's clean pocket rating was really bad. Yeah. Ryan Tannehill, a $26 million cap it next year.
1: Woof. Can they get out of that, though? Yeah, I'm sure they can. Yeah.
0: Derek Carr, 22. Case Keenum, 21. Bortles, 21.
1: (laughs) Bortles. Hmm.
0: Garoppolo, 20. Even though Nick Mullins is the is the new Dan Marino.
1: Okay, put Nick Mullins on the Giants. Yes, yes. Well, no. That's the thing, it's Kyle Shanahan, dude. (laughs) That's true. It's it's all Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, but he's made some... I mean, I I, you know, I didn't watch the game closely today. I didn't watch him closely today, but I mean, he's made some pretty damn impressive throws too. I mean, I I definitely agree that Shanahan is scheming the hell out of that offense, but Mullins is like standing in and pressure. I'm asking
0: you the wrong... We're asking the wrong question.
1: We're asking the wrong
0: question. We're asking if Nick Mullins was in New York, how would he look? What would Eli Manning look like under Kyle Shanahan?
1: Oh, that's interesting. I still think. Do, do you have an answer?
0: <laughs> Did you just short circuit?
1: No, my, well, my impression is he would look a lot better. Okay. But not, yeah. Play action God, Eli Manning. Yeah. I guess he would look a lot. He probably would look a lot better. I mean, coaching is really, the really only important.
0: The only way we can find out is if they execute the Nick Mullins, Eli Manning trade, we all want Let's
1: to say. Let's do this. Let's do all this. All right. Tomorrow's headlines. Seahawks fever. You tell me. Here It's going to be here. That's for sure. That was a huge win. It was
0: a big time win, even though Andy Reid was apparently resting his veterans. <laughs> secretly resting <laughs> God his God veterans. damn it. Why do you
1: have to keep bringing that up? Um, <laughs> no, I, I think that's, you know, that's a big one because I don't think a lot of people probably expected the Seahawks to, to be able to hang with them that way. Um, especially, you know, the Seahawks offense has been pretty hit or miss. But, I mean, over the last two weeks, I'd say. But, I mean, they looked pretty sharp at times. Russell Wilson was really, really good. Is there going to be talk of Russell Wilson potentially sneaking into the MVP race?
0: This MVP race is really growing by the week. It's
1: It is getting heated. What do you think? What do you think happened today? Because Breeze had a better game. Patrick Mahomes is gonna win the MVP. Um, Mahomes was pretty damn good.
0: I th- you know what I think actually a little bit, and this is completely separate from what we're talking about. Um, this is me just basically ignoring the conversation we're currently having um, is <laughs> it's fine. I kind of think we're doing this thing where we talk about who's making it, who's going to make noise in the playoffs because the top teams have been so established for two months or maybe even three months because we know the Saints and the Chiefs and the Patriots you know and the Rams are going to be there at the end, so we've had to just manufacture this conversation about like who's the best of the rest, and that's right. why we're going to do this with the Seahawks again. So, I guess the point I'm making is that tomorrow's headlines is going to be Seahawks Mania because we just keep doing this because we've talked so much about. I mean, Mahomes had another amazing, amazing throw today that was just would have broken like across the internet. his body. Yeah, if if if, if fucking Ryan Tannehill did it, it would break the internet just because we haven't <laughs> talked about Ryan Tannehill, no one's talked about Ryan Tannehill. In two and a half years. Um, but because it's Mahomes, we're just, this is normal. This is not normal.
1: No. Danny Kelly. Let's not normalize this.
0: Don't normalize Patrick <laughs> Mahomes. This is not normal.
1: That's our big mission right now. All He's right. really freaking fun to watch play. By the way, so the thing actually that I was just thinking of okay, um, that's going to be a big headline tomorrow and I'm interested to get your take on this is, is refereeing ruining the season? Like how many big huge game changing plays have there been and do you think it's any different than other years number one and number two i
0: think i think think i'm sorry go ahead so
1: yeah the the first part is do you think it's any different or if it's just recency bias and number two uh do you think like there's a fix for it i guess is is like do you have to make Mm. everything reviewable or do you just kind of deal with it you know it's just what it is what it is
0: Great question. So, a couple things. Number one, I think that it is slightly different because there's more passing and mm. there's different types of passing. I think referees are, you know, it. the game keeps getting faster. I wrote a story a couple of years ago. Where I interviewed a couple of referees and basically, the point they made was that refereeing was not supposed to be this hard. Um, refere- <laughs> You know, <laughs> it, yeah. it's just yeah. really fast now and the sport keeps getting faster. I think you you just get to a point where, you know, the game is officiated... Maybe more poorly because the referees are adapting a little bit to the style, mm-hmm. the pace, the play of the game, whatever it is. I think the referees are a little worse. I also think that you know, and I wrote that piece about Prayer and blendino a couple of weeks ago uh, on the Ringer that you guys can go go read. Is you know one of the things is that social media has changed everything, and oh, there's that's more a good point. time, and it went from talking to Terry McCully about this and. He basically said that the replay and social media, when they converge, because replay came in in 1999, social media came in what six, seven years later. Yeah, the difference went, the the shift was from something bad just happened to my team, and. I don't know what's going on, but the next snap just happened, so I'm going to move on to something bad just happened to my team, and I can look at 50 replays of it. I can <laughs> yes. complain about it. I can talk about it. Yeah. I can put it up. I can get angry about it. I can tweet at my prayer. Yeah. yeah, my prayer. This is a prudering of everything. Exactly what you said, Danny. And so that is sort of I think is is one of the biggest changes. Um, I, I just think that it's it's a different time. Um, yeah, for for that. And it's, it's, it's probably pretty hard. Uh, there's probably too many rules, probably too many exceptions. I think, again, you can read the, I, I go into more detail on the story, but that's, that's, that's generally the way, uh, that I view it is it's, it's the referees are probably worse than ever, but I also think that it's probably harder than ever to, to referee an NFL game.
1: Yeah. And I wonder how much the, um, the NFL's, I guess, focuses and things that happened over the offseason and, th- and mm. the rules like emphases they didn't necessarily change a ton of rules but they're just emphasizing it differently mm. um, I wonder how much that's played into it too because I, I know that it's just way harder to play defense than it ever has been I think in in the past sure. because well, there's so many rules the rules all the time so many rules protecting quarterbacks, there's a lot of rules protecting receivers, and, and you were joking about it in Slack today, and it was hilarious, it, but it's true, it's just there's a, no offensive pass interference calls, it just doesn't just not, happen, it's none. like the most, it's the best loophole for the o- offense in the world, um, and so I think it. it's all that combined, I think that the social media point is really, really important too because it's just it's one of those things that's so much we easier sit to sit
0: there and we watch everything over yeah. and over until we all get angry
1: whip, whip um. ourselves up into a frenzy yeah for sure yeah and so exactly i don't know i saw i can't remember if it was like kevin seaford a couple of weeks ago tweeted something i think it was him or dan graziano i can't remember which, which one espn guy and, wow. and he said um it, your life would just be a lot better if you just accept that games in every sport every week uh, are going to be decided by calls and just be better if you just accept that. I kind of actually subscribe to that because I'm like... Every, Dan, are,
0: you, are you a UFC fan at all?
1: Uh, a little bit. Like, okay. really casual. So
0: let me tell you what happened tonight, okay? So they're <laughs> okay. moving the big pay-per-view from Las Vegas to Los Angeles on a week's notice because Las Vegas would not certify the guy in the main event, John Bones Jones. Uh-huh. Because... Uh, his drug test came back with uh, basically uh, traces of the same thing he tested positive for two years ago, which led to his banishment from the sport. Right. So instead of dealing with the fact that the state won't license them, they're literally just moving the fight to a state that will license them. <laughs> and the reason I bring Love this it. up is that we sit here and we talk about like corruption in the NFL and like, oh, they're clearly favoring the Patriots, whatever the hell it is. And it's like, no, dude, it's actually not that shady. You know what shady? This damn UFC thing. Like, you want to see shadiness? Look at that. Look at like some of this NBA stuff that is at. You know, t- Tim Donnie. Like, there's actual scandals. Dick Bavetta, is, which is an extension of the Tim Donnie thing. There are actual scandals in sports, but like, you know, someone calling illegal contact on Byron Jones is not one of them. Right.
1: So. Yeah, I'm with you.
0: No, it's, it's a very uh, in the grand scheme of things. The the. Steelers being called for an obvious pass interference is not does not need a congressional investigation.
1: <laughs> yeah, I see this, this UFC I thing still,
0: actually might though.
1: I'm I'm very agnostic when it comes to uh, the referee just being outraged. I try to be at least try not to be outraged about calls. I'm just like, man, it happens, and and it's going to happen in, in really obvious moments, and it's going to be bad sometimes, and it's going to be frustrating. But at the same time, it's not. The NFL is not against your team. I'm sorry. And so, yeah. I that's, agree. That's- well,
0: also, also, and this is the point I've, I've I always come back to when people get upset about this. If, if, let's say there's a pro-Patriots bias in the NFL, okay? Well, the Patriots aren't the most popular team by any stretch of the imagination. So right. why wouldn't they fix it for the Cowboys? Why wouldn't they fix it for the Steelers? Why wouldn't yeah. they fix it for the, for the Giants? Those are the most popular teams. Why? why? I mean, the, the Patriots in the grand scheme of things weren't even that popular 20 years ago. I mean, they, <laughs> right. they, they, they were going to move to Hartford. Like It wasn't <laughs> like they had a nation, national fan base now because they won so much, but that's revisionist history. So why would the NFL fix it for sort of a mid-tier popularity team when they could <laughs> fix it for the damn Dallas Cowboys, the most popular team in the world?
1: Yeah. That's a good I question. Uh I, my C, the Seahawks fan in me would say well the NFL did fix the Super Bowl for the Steelers uh back in no. 2005 so
0: <laughs> but they were already in the Super Bowl
1: I know no no kidding.
0: need to no need to keep fixing it <laughs>
1: uh, Yeah I'm not going to go I'm not going to go into it anymore but I'm just I'm kidding anyway but yeah. You can
0: have your own podcast if you complain about this All right uh we got to get out of here I um I do want to point out that I'm in I'm in my dad's home office in in orlando and i nice. just i had flashbacks to watching a million football games here except <laughs> i would also be playing roller coaster tycoon the entire time i was like 13 years old <laughs> and i'm having like super flashbacks because it's the same uh, tv that i watched you know like you know the the damn ray Rhodes packers on when i was 10 years old but then also just just crushing roller coaster tycoon oh so my god i love it rat okay Anyway, Danny, thank you for pinch hitting. This has been great. Yeah, that was fun. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thanks, guys.